Welcome to Stuck in Misery, the best Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by James West and Sam Wrench. And fellas, week four is here, and we'll get right into our week four picks. But before we do, just want to start out, Sam, a game I was really looking forward to, the Steelers against the Tennessee Titans. That game is going to be postponed now at this point. So here's what's going to happen there. The Steelers and Titans are going to play October 25th. The Ravens-Steelers game is moved back to week eight. The Ravens now have a bye week in week seven. But this comes after news that seven Titans players and six other members of the Titans organization have tested positive for COVID-19. Sam, I was really looking forward to this one. We're just going to have to wait. Uh, Yeah, tough look for the Titans, huh? Um, I mean... It's like we knew this was going to happen eventually, right? It's like they're not – they don't have a bubble. People are still going about their daily lives. It's bound to happen. Eventually, one of these teams is going to come down and get it. And now it's going to be really interesting to see how NFL deals with this because this is – is this just going to be the one-game, you know, type of deal where it's an isolated incident? My bet would say no. Eventually, this is going to happen again, and there's going to have to adjust, you know, the schedule quite a bit to see how this goes. But yeah, I mean, honestly, this is kind of a bummer because this looked like it was going to be one of the better matchups of the of the weekend. And I'm kind of pumped that, or I'm happy that, like, they didn't make the Titans play a Monday or Tuesday game because then they only had one day to practice. So the, I guess this is more fair for them um, in that regard. But I'm probably, I'm sure the Steelers are pretty mad about this. I'm having to move up their bye week to week four. Listen, I, I don't really have any sympathy for the Steelers or the Titans. I mean, this was what was to be expected eventually uh, this season. You know, when you don't play in a bubble environment where all the players, coaches, and personnel are isolated, like someone's eventually going to get sick. There's going to be an outbreak. And really what we have to look at moving forward is how will these teams and how will the uh, protocol of the Titans and how the protocol of the NFL actually pan out and work as we move forward. I give the league credit because inevitably there were going to be problems at some point in time with this pandemic. They figured it out. And hopefully this is the only situation where this kind of thing arises. You've got to be able to have some flexibility. I give the league credit for being able to figure that out. Now, if there's another outbreak with another team, we'll see what happens from there, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Immediately when I heard the news, you know, as a, as a longtime successful fantasy manager, my mind immediately went to, what is the fantasy implications on this one? Because it's like, mm. does Tuesday night game get counted towards the week four matchup? How, you know, if they play two games in one week, would both those points go towards one week? It's like, there's so many things to consider about, you know, do you, have, do you should you, you know, plan on this by adding another, you know, person to your bench? Going forward, now you got to think about this, like, hey, if this person gets, you know, you got to make sure you stack up on a certain amount of wide receivers, a certain amount of running backs, maybe a couple of tight ends, you know, be willing to drop somebody that you, you know, you got to make sure you utilize every single spot on your bench because this could happen at any point of the season. And honestly, like, I love it because it's like the best manager at the end of the day is going to win. Sam looking at this like the commissioner that he is. I absolutely, absolutely. love this because Sam's absolutely. like, if this isn't handled properly, it's going to start a mutiny in the league that I'm oh, the commissioner I'm already of. Getting beat for this, man. I'm already getting beat for this. I'll be a man for a commissioner. I take my league seriously. Sam, Sam's, uh, Sam's talking like, like there's actually things that are going to be done. 
Sam's response in our league was, we added an IR spot at the beginning of the season and an extra bench spot. Like, I'm not going to do anything. So, so let's, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's stop the talk, Sam. Let's stop the talk. I absolutely love this. But, you know, you've got to figure that out. I could just see a mutiny in fantasy leagues across America to say, say you do ESPN and ESPN counts the points for one week. But right. say you're in another league and Yahoo has a different policy. Oh, man, you open up a whole can of worms there, exactly. Sammy. That, so uh, patience to this. I was really hoping there was going to be a Tuesday night game just because it would have been so weird. Like, right. Tuesday night football, like, what? Like, I, that's what I was rooting for, but hey. Agreed. All right, guys, Colts at Bears. The Colts are Touchdown Tuesdays. <laughs> the Bears are two-and-a-half-point underdog to the Colts. You guys, RIP to the Mitch Trubisky era. It was a good run. I agree, man. I miss, I miss, I miss him already. My phone was blowing up when you guys were like going nuts <laughs> about Foles, and it's like, holy crap, Foles does it again. It's just like every single freaking time he comes in, he just make, he just goes nuts. Oh man, it's, I feel, honestly feel bad for Mitch because like he was just set up for failure, and honestly, I hope he gets another chance as like a backup somewhere. But I, I think you're right. Maybe it is finally time after. Back-to-back wins that he did, or he, he you know, won. It's t- finally time for, uh, I guess, a new quarterback in Chicago, and Mitch will probably ride out his contract and get a backup job somewhere. Foles will give the Chicago offense more consistency from a, like, a series-to-series, game-to-game basis, which is, I think will be a bit of a breath of fresh air for – that offense and for Chicago fans because, like, Mitch Trubisky's play can be a bit bipolar at times. So I think that consistency will help Chicago definitely pick up some wins. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Foles comes into the game wearing a visor, and I'm like, who is who's this guy wearing? Like, I didn't know it was Nick Foles because he's wearing a tinted visor when he came into the, into the game in week three against Atlanta. And I rewatched the highlights probably about a half dozen times. I have no clue how the Bears won that game because the Bears at 3-0 and could very, very easily be 0-3. NFL teams are 6-646 since the start of the 2010 season when entering the fourth quarter trailing by 16 points or more. The Bears have done that now twice in three weeks. So I have no idea how they won. And with the Bears, Tariq Cohen's out for the season with a knee injury. I like the Colts to cover in this one. I think the Bears' luck runs out after three weeks. But I hope I'm not kicking myself. But we'll see what we've got. Nick Foles, guy who's the Super Bowl MVP just a few years ago for the Philadelphia Eagles. I can't wait to watch this one. But I'm going to go with the Colts just because the Bears are about as flimsy as you can be for a team that's 3-0. and Yeah, and I actually think this is going to be a pretty close game. Um, I don't think either team will really blow each other away. And I think that, that minus 2.5 like, line right there, that feels about right. I'm going to go with the Colts, but there, I do have an interesting like, thing that I, I was reading up on. People kind of forget that Coach Wright for the Colts, he was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles when Foles went on that run. And uh, Foles actually – like he quoted and and this is a quote he said he like really figured him out as a player and kind of brought 
folds back out from like you know his I, I don't know how to word that well, but like abyss, his abyss. abyss. I mean, like yeah. he was you know, just like Foles was like his career was dying, and Reich resurrected him and went on that run. So on the flip of that, it's kind of like Reich knows Foles so well, probably that he's going to be able to counter his every move and really hold him under wraps throughout the game. Again, I think it's going to be a close game, but I'll take the Colts here. I picked against the Bears for the past three weeks. <laughs> and at this point, I don't really see any point in like changing. Like I'm just going to play the odds <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I'm, taking, like, I'm taking the Colts to cover. James said this last week. He's like, he's just out of it. He's like, if I'm going down, I'm going down with the ship. I love this. James, your consistency. I commend you for that. We've all got the Colts against the Bears. Let's move on to the next game. Jags at Bengals. Bengals, a three-point favorite at home. James, we almost had it. Joe Burrow very nearly pulled out his very first career victory. Wasn't able to quite get it done, and the Bengals tie the Eagles in week three. Found a stat about the Jags that was pretty interesting. Jags opponents have converted 72% of third downs in the first half, and the Jags have forced a grand total of two punts in the first half. So if the Bengals can get out to an early lead, I like them. I'm going to pick the Jags, though. I don't think this is quite the week Burrow gets it done. I've lucked out well with the Jags through three weeks in the season, and I'm going to take them as a three-point underdog on the road. Yeah, you know, I'll take the Jags as well. I mean, they have that Thursday night game, and so they have ample time to pair for – Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And I just feel like, you know, the Jags, they got some swag to them, right? Like, I know they got beat against Miami, but I just feel like they're going to bounce back and, uh, you know, really kind of take it to the Bengals in this game. I'm going to go against both of you. I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Bengals to cover. I think Joe gets his first win, and I think, he, I think he's going to have a great game, especially because that stat that you mentioned, Mark, on, uh, on the Jaguars not being able to – close down their opponents on third down I think for a rookie quarterback keeping drives alive is key and I think that'll be a huge help for Joe this week so I'm taking I'm taking the Bengals to cover all right next game we've got the Browns at the Cowboys the Cowboys a four and a half point favorite you guys Cleveland has a winning record for the first time since December 2014 and during that 2014 season they stood at seven and four they're flirting with the playoffs and the Browns go on and lose the remaining five games of the season. Now, this Cowboys team could very easily be 0-3 because the Falcons also blew the game against the Cowboys with that crazy onside kick from Greg Zerloin. So, you guys, I like Cleveland not just to cover. I like Cleveland to win outright in this game. Give Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt the ball all day long. If this game does get into a shootout, I like the Cowboys' chances, but this is a Cowboys defense that hasn't played any defense at all thus far through three games this season. I think the Browns, I was a four-and-a-half-point underdog, is a great number. And, again, I like the Browns to cover and to win outright in this one. Wow, taking uh, Mayfield over Dak Prescott, huh? I, I think this is probably one of the more intriguing matchups of that first window. 
you know, it's like the Browns have quietly, you know, looked pretty good the last two weeks. Let's, I mean, they beat the Bengals, they beat Washington, two not very good teams. But it's like, are they finally going to get that statement win that they've been looking for for like years and years against the Cowboys who really, I mean, the Cowboys should be a playoff team. They have a, this great offense, but their defense hasn't looked great. I just think it's going to be really funny. And I think that once again, Cleveland's going to let down their fans again and lose a close one against the Cowboys. Although I, it would be fun to see them win this game. I just don't think they do it this week on the road. I listened to an interview with uh, Baker Mayfield, and he said that he's ready to win no matter what form the game takes. And he specifically said if it's a shootout, then we'll do a shootout. But kind of like you said, Mark, if this game turns into a shootout, I like the Cowboys over the Browns. And I know you love your stats, Mark, and and don't quote me on this one being 100% correct, but I'm pretty sure – that Baker Mayfield at 7-17 and 17 when he throws the ball 27 or more times in a game. He's 8-1 and one when he throws the ball less than 23 times in a game. I think Baker Mayfield heading back to Dallas, being an Oklahoma guy, he's going to be in front of friends and family. He's going to want to have a big game. He's going to want to be the guy. And when, he, when he's the guy, when he has to throw the ball more than 27 times in a game, they don't win. So I like the Cowboys here. That's a great point. And a lot of Browns fans want Mayfield to be worthy of that number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. And kind of the point I make is how many true blue chip quarterbacks are there in the league? And Browns fans might have to settle with the fact that, okay, Mayfield's at least a serviceable quarterback or an average quarterback, but I think they're starting to get a little wary in the sense that Mayfield hasn't played up to being that number one overall pick. But my counter to that is, is how many true blue chip quarterbacks are there in this league? I think there are only a handful of true, true difference makers at the signal caller position. James, excellent stat there. We'll go to the next game. The Saints against the Detroit Lions. The Saints are a four point favorite. And no doubt New Orleans has missed receiver Michael Thomas. He's been out with a high ankle sprain. He can't get back fast enough. James actually picked the Lions to beat, or at least to cover against the Cardinals last weekend. And Jeff Okuda finally came back. He had one of the team's three interceptions of Kyler Murray in week three. And James's guy... Kenny G, and I'm not talking about the saxophonist. I'm talking about the wide receiver. He's back in the lineup for the Lions and Matt Stafford as well. I'm still going to pick the Saints here, but I don't think that the Lions, they're one of those teams where they're not as bad as their record indicates, but I will take the Saints to cover four points on the road. Yeah, it's funny how the Lions look decent when they're fully healthy, right? Like, they played well last week. Again, I think, you know, Kenny G, like you said, he, he, he does wonders for that, for that offense. When he's there, it almost seems like everything can kind of click together. And, again, Adrian Peterson, he's looking like an ageless wonder, man. He's, he came up today said he wants to play until he's 40, which that'd be, that'd be wild for a running back. Still, I don't think Drew Brees and Kamara are going to lose three in a row. It's already the first time since 2017 season since they lost two consecutive games. I don't see that being a third game. And, you know, Michael Thomas is, could potentially come back. So that'd be huge for them. And I'm expecting a breakout game from Mandel Sanders if that happens. We just keep waiting for him to do something 
and we saw a glimpse. He got that touchdown against Green Bay, but I think the you know the New Orleans Saints are going to finally put it all together this week against the Detroit Lions, and I'll take them all day against the spread. Yeah, you know, building on what I said last week, uh, it was very much like a wait and see. You know, you guys both with the Saints, so I feel like I gotta I gotta be devil's advocate, and I'm you know what I'm gonna go the Lions to cover. I love it. And James, just all aboard the Detroit Lions bandwagon. But I will say, I think this team has played better than its record has indicated. And James, hats off to you for being able to call that Lions-Cardinals game a week ago. You saw something in this team that surely not a lot of people did just looking at this team on paper. But again, they get some of their key playmakers back on both sides of the ball. And, and they're a different team, no doubt. Well, you forget that yeah, they're about sleeping. I've... I've uh... I've had a lot of luck calling Cardinals games this, uh, this season, guys. All right, we will move on to the next game, Seahawks at Dolphins. The Seahawks, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I initially thought this line was kind of low, but Russell Wilson's had an incredible season, and a large part of that is because of how bad Seattle's pass defense is. So you've got a horrible pass defense in the sense that teams aren't putting up a lot of points against the Seahawks, and it's forcing Seattle to be more aggressive offensively in letting Russ cook. Now, guys, as great as he's been, certainly I'd anticipate that Russell Wilson will get some votes for MVP in the 2020 campaign. There's been this discussion of, oh, how has Russell Wilson never gotten a vote for MVP? And so I did a bit of research. You're going to vote for Russell Wilson over Lamar Jackson a season ago, considering the historic rushing output that the Ravens put up that Jackson was part of. Go look at the stats. You want to go up against Patrick Mahomes 2018 season when he throws for more than 5,000 yards and throws 50 touchdown passes. It's not taking anything away from Russell Wilson, but actually check the receipts. People, have you guys seen this on social media of, how has Russell Wilson never gotten an MVP vote? That whole notion is absolutely ridiculous. If you want to go back and look on a year-to-year basis of the guys who actually won, you then have to take your MVP of vote away from the guys that actually won the award. And those guys were deserving. Well, that's because Russ is in the kitchen this year, you know, chopping those tomatoes, onions, peppers, mixing them together, throwing in some spices, and he's making one hell of a sauce, baby. I mean, it, it just it's just different on how they actually, like, used him in the past <laughs> versus, you know, how Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes were used in that team. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, you're not going to take those MVP awards away from Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, but I don't think anyone is – being like, oh, Russell isn't as good as those guys, or, you know, he could – everyone is saying that Russ could definitely win it this year, and that's mainly because of the change in how they're using him. Yeah, I'm with Sammy on this one. I'm going to take Seahawks to cover because, uh, because of the sauce. James, do you want Alfredo? Do you want vodka sauce, tomato? Like, what can we, what can we make for you, James? I don't, I don't know. Sammy, what kind of sauce is it? You said, you said peppers and – Onions, you know, spices. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter what kind of sauce it is. It's just good sauce. It's just some good sauce. Yeah. We all like Seattle in this one. Can I say one other thing, too? 
why isn't Tua starting yet? Like, what are we waiting on? I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love Fitzmagic. I, you know, I understand he's a rookie and there's things that he can learn while on the bench, learning from a veteran quarterback. But like, what are we waiting on? Like, I, I, I want to see Tua play. I'll jump in on this. Uh, I'll tell you this right now. I think given the season, like, even if Tua does play, I'm not sure how many games Miami would actually win. I think when a rookie quarterback gets thrown in too early and if they get really beat up, it can destroy their confidence. I think they're just kind of saving their guy until they can surround him with a little bit better product on the field so that he can actually be successful. You know, like you don't want to destroy his confidence because he's just not going to be the same guy moving forward. As someone whose dad is a Cleveland Browns fan, Mark, I think I think that you've kind of witnessed that <laughs> firsthand. And I think that that's what Miami's doing. They know they have their guy. They just don't want to mess him up. They don't want to they don't want him to turn into a head case by forcing him to play too soon when it really won't impact the outcome. That's fair. Yeah. And if you look at a guy like Mahomes or you look at Aaron Rodgers, those guys sat under their respective veteran quarterbacks as well. And, so that's and look at that look at that situation in Washington last year when Dwayne Haskins got put in in a terrible situation. Granted, I don't think Dwayne Haskins is nearly as good as Tua. But it's like they literally put him in and set him up for failure. And going forward, he hasn't really looked great. And, you know, he doesn't have that, I don't know, maybe doesn't have that confidence or whatnot. It's just like a lose-lose situation. Eventually, Tua will get time this year, for sure. But it's like once you put him in, you're not going to take him back out. So it's like you don't – there's really no rush to put him in, in my opinion, because Miami is still building their, building their team. They're going to lose probably either way, at least – with Fitzpatrick in there, like he knows his place and he'll be competitive enough for Dolphins when in reality, they're really not going to make much noise this year. I do want to see Tua prove that he can stay on the playing field as well and that he can prove that he can stay healthy. Yeah, one, one last point here too. And I think one important reason and why Tua's appearance might be delayed is because this season – there were no OTAs. There was no preseason. So his exposure to the NFL and the speed and all that has probably been stunted. Like, granted, Joe Burrow seems to be doing really, really well. But at the same time, too, it's like if you don't have to put your guy in, like I think that this is kind of one of the seasons where you're not going to – like if you don't have to do it, you're not going to. You're just going to let him sit and wait and learn because – I mean, this team is a show, and like honestly, the season is kind of a show too because of COVID. Fair enough. Let's move on. Chargers at Bucks. The Buccaneers, a seven-point favorite at home. This, to me, you guys, is a matchup of whether the Bucks are legit or not. James, we've talked about week in and week out how we think this Chargers defense is legit. I'm curious to see which Tampa Bay Buccaneers team shows up at home. I'm going to defer to you guys before I make my pick because I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of undecided. I think seven points is quite a bit just given the way that the Chargers have played competitive football this season. Yeah, I'll start off. I'm taking the Chargers, baby. I think the Chargers cover in this game. That's because they look so much better under Herbert than they did Tyrod Taylor. They're actually finally able to sustain drives and give it to their playmakers. Keenan Allen was targeted 19 times last, last game which 
was insane. I mean, absolutely absurd stat. So um, I'd like the Chargers to be able to actually hold on the ball and sustain drives and keep this close at least. I think the Tampa Bay Bucks will probably win this game, but I don't think it's going to be a shootout by any means. And I think the Chargers will keep it close and definitely cover that seven-point spread. Yeah, uh, I'm going to jump in right now. I think Herbert definitely puts Keenan Allen and Eckler in a better place going to be more productive and then simultaneously you have Fournette and Godwin both out for Tampa Bay so I'm also going to go with the Chargers to cover okay I will go with you guys on this one because I was pretty undecided I will pick the Chargers to cover I think that seven points is just too much just given I think these teams are pretty similar in terms of a talent standpoint Move on to the next game, the Ravens at the Washington football team. You guys, I know we've loved the Washington football team is the dark horse in our quest and our gambling journey through three weeks into the season going into week four, 13 and a half. I know the Ravens are going to want to rebound after getting trounced on Monday night football to the chiefs, but 13 and a half points is just too much for me. And even if the Ravens do get out to a massive lead, I think the Washington football team will continue to fight. They're a team that's not going to roll over and give up regardless of what deficit there is. And I think that's a testament to the head coach, Ron Rivera. He's a veteran head coach. He's got this team playing hard. I don't think they'll win at all, but 13 and a half points is just too much to give up against this Baltimore team. Watch for a backdoor cover here once Baltimore takes all of its starters out if they get out to a, a huge lead. Yeah, I think I'll, the Ravens will win. That, that's it. I'm taking Ravens as well. I mean, to cover the I, 13 and a half? Yeah. Okay. I'm taking the right. I mean, they're gonna, Lamar's not going to look as bad as he did last week. And I think the defense, I mean, they look, their defense didn't look that great last week either. I expect them to bring the heat on Haskins and force turnovers and put up more points through, based off those turnovers. So I'll take Ravens minus 13 and a half. James, you said you like the Ravens to win. Which do you like? Do you like in terms of the Ravens covering or do you like the Washington football team to, uh, to, to cover as a 13 and a half point dog? You know, I, I think that the Ravens will cover. That's, that's a, it's a hard pick for me because, you know, you know uh, I'm kind of a, a Washington football team. Like, that's like, I think that's like our dark horse team to, to make picks on, and I have to go against them this week. So it's just, you know, Ra- Ravens are going to win. James goes full Benedict Arnold in his pick of the Baltimore Ravens to cover 13 and a half points over the Washington football team to the next game, the Cardinals, a four and a half point favorite on the road at the Carolina Panthers guys. I have an intriguing theory for you. Do you guys know what the Ewing theory is? I do not Mark. Uh, is that the theory that the Knicks rigged the draft? <laughs> no, that is a good guess though. The Ewing theory is back in the day when the Knicks were playing pretty well with Patrick Ewing, John Starks, all the boys. When Patrick Ewing got hurt, there's a theory that the Knicks actually performed and played better without Patrick Ewing in the lineup. Supposedly the team's superstar. Are the Carolina Panthers a Ewing theory candidate without Christian McCaffrey. And the reason I ask is there's no doubt about Christian McCaffrey's on-field production, running the ball out of the backfield, 
catching the ball out of the backfield. But other than a few fantasy football championships, what has Christian McCaffrey ever won for the Carolina Panthers? Are the Panthers a candidate for the Ewing theory without Christian McCaffrey? I think that's a big question headed into this one. In there that's absurd, Mark. That's absurd. Dude, McCaffrey is one of the best all-around utilized players in the league. Like, he would be not – the Panthers would be so bad without him the past couple of years. They just – I mean, it's, he can only do so much. It's not like, you know, they're, almost, they're better without him. They, yeah, they won one game. But I think that's absolutely – definitely not true. Yeah, you're right. Like, they didn't win be, anything yet. He's only been in the league a few years. And that defense is what is holding them back. So I think that's BS. <laughs> yeah, Mark, I'm not buying the Ewing theory. Uh, they have the, – the Panthers have a new head coach. They have a new quarterback. I think that they're one of those teams that's just going to naturally get better as the season goes on. I'm not saying that they're going to be amazing, but they're, they're definitely going to get better the more this coaching staff has time to spend with the players, the more – this team gets used to their new quarterback. Once again, I'm going to bring this up again. It, there, there was no preseason. There were no OTAs. That's a huge disadvantage for any team that has a new head coach, let alone also a new quarterback. I think that the Panthers would be even better if McCaffrey was healthy. But as we look to kind of this matchup between the Panthers and the Cardinals, I actually am going to pick the Panthers to cover if Hopkins is injured and out for the game this week. However, if Hopkins plays, I'm picking Arizona to cover. I'm, t- I'm picking Arizona to cover. I think Kyler Murray runs all over that defense and has a bounce back game from, um, from last week. I will also take the Cardinals with the caveat of Panthers running back Mike Davis. Eight catches out of the backfield, including a touchdown, filling in for CMC a week ago in an upset win over the Chargers. If we come back to this next week and the Panthers have won two games in a row, keep in mind the Ewing theory. You heard it here first. The Panthers without CMC can call me nuts, but we'll see where we're at in a week. Vikings at Texans. The Texans a four-point favorite. Guys, I cannot believe that both the Vikings and the Texans are both 0-3 headed into this one. Both teams were in the playoffs last season. I like the Texans just considering who the Texans have lost to in three weeks this season. So you're talking the Chiefs in week one, the Ravens in week two, and the Pittsburgh Steelers in week three. Probably the toughest three-game matchup any team will have this season. I think the Texans, Bill O'Brien, Deshaun Watson, get it done at home and finally get into the win column. And we're talking about a Texans team that two years ago started out 0-3 and still made the playoffs during the 2018 season. This Vikings defense has been horrendous. Anthony Barr, their star linebackers out, giving up 440 yards per game and 34 four points per game this Vikings team has been awful so far this season I like the Texans at home you know what I think this is the makings of a shootout and it's a must-win game for both these teams you can't go 0-4 and expect to make the playoffs or have a chance at it now the Texans can't stop the run and Cook is coming off a career high 181 rushing yards in week three to counter that 
the Vikings can't stop the pass. So this could be a breakout game for Fuller and Deshaun Watson um, after a very tough schedule. I expect a huge shootout, and I expect this to be a close one. And four points, I expect the Vikings to cover that, but Texans come away with the victory. Yeah, guys, uh, quick question. I, I thought that I heard that Fuller like tweaked his hamstring or something again. Is that true, or did I completely make that, make that up? Here's the thing, James, is whether it's true or not, it's believable given his injury history. Yeah, that's, and I think that's why. Regardless, though, I like the Texans this week, particularly because of who they had to play the first three games of the season. You know, the Texans are one of those teams that's like, if they make the playoffs, we're like, oh my gosh, they started off 0 3, but they turn it around. I, I disagree because if you divvy out those three games and balance them out throughout their schedule, like they'd probably lose those three games anyways. So it's not necessarily about how you start, it's more about who you play. So I, I still think that the Texans could be uh, a playoff contender. But obviously, they need to start winning games now, and they have to win this week for that to be the case. I have a little betting nugget for you guys, though. The Vikings are an NFL best 27-10-1 against the spread after a loss in the Mike Zimmer era since 2014. So, the Texans may win, but I think the Vikings could cover. Here's the thing. I'm going to break this down really simply for you guys. Do we trust Deshaun Watson? Or do we trust Kirk Cousins? And I think that's what this game comes down to. I'm putting my money on Deshaun Watson. James, to answer your question about Will Fuller, he is on the team's injury report, but head coach Bill O'Brien says he will be fine and he is expected to play in week four. Giants at Rams. And the Rams are an 11.5-point favorite at home. This is a Giants team that lost to a 49ers team in week three that didn't have its starting quarterback, top two running backs, top two tight ends, top wide receiver, two other wide receivers, three of their top four cornerbacks, four of their top five defensive ends, a linebacker and their center. And the 49ers still beat the Giants in week three by 27 points. I think that the Giants and the Jets are tanking for Trevor Lawrence at this point in time. It's a shame that the two New York teams don't play each other this year because I think the winner of that hypothetical game would then deserve the number one overall pick. I cannot gamble or wager in any way on the New York Giants. 11 and a half points is a lot, but I think the Rams take care of business at home against a Giants team that doesn't have Saquon Barkley, that has been absolutely abysmal this season. Hey, Sammy, I'm going to let you talk next because I'm honestly really curious to see how much you hate the Rams. <laughs> I can't say it. Next question. <laughs> Sam, did you just uh, no comment us? Sam, did you just bet on the Rams? Sam, did you just no comment us? I just said no comment. I can't oh, bet on the Rams. Man. But I can't bet. I'm not better on the Giants. So well, you take well, the over unders at 48. You want to get? You want to place a wager on the over under, Sam? Oh man, gosh, I guess, sir. Um, over. Why not? I, I think the Rams are going to kill them in this game. I'm not, I, mean, I, I think you're honestly. I think you're honestly betting on the Rams to score like 48 points if you're taking that bet. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I think that statement. I think that statement speaks for itself. I'm going with the Rams this week. All right, Patriots at Chiefs, guys. I think this is, in my opinion, the most intriguing matchup in Week Four. Chiefs are a seven-point favorite at home. Little tidbit for you guys. The touchdown pass in week three to left tackle Eric Fisher was the first touchdown reception by a number one overall pick since Keyshawn Johnson, who's been out of the league for several years. But just kind of goes to show you how most of the time quarterback is picked, sometimes a defensive player, sometimes a left tackle. But it's been a long time since a number one overall pick has had a touchdown reception. And the Chiefs were able to have that trick play to left tackle Eric Fisher in the win over the Baltimore Ravens. But guys, this Patriots team, this is a testament to Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and the Patriots offensive staff in getting the most out of Cam Newton. They have the number one rushing offense in the NFL. Kudos to the Patriots coaches for their ability to adapt to their personnel. I just think if the Chiefs are able to light up the scoreboard like they have through three weeks in the season, I feel like a broken record here. Time and time again, we've seen the only team that's going to stop the Chiefs are the Chiefs themselves and or injuries. And I hate even putting that into existence, but this Chiefs offense is just electric. I like the Chiefs at home to cover in week four over the Patriots. Now, Mark. When's the last time that you remember the Patriots getting blown out or losing by, you know, let's say 10 points? Because I just don't, I can't remember, I can't think of a Belichick team not being in the game and like getting blown out. And I think seven points is a lot in this game. Even if the Chiefs go out to an early lead, the Patriots will always make it interesting at least or cover that, get a late touchdown or maybe backdoor cover there. I just I don't know. I just I think that this is going to be the game of the week, and the Patriots are going to come to play, and they're going to try to take away Mahomes' scrambling and improvisation skills. And I just think that this is going to be a very close game. I think I like the Chiefs to win, but I think they win by five or six, not seven points. Yeah, Mark. I think I think you've said this a couple of times on the on the pod, but. Uh... You're the champ until until someone can beat you, and no one's been able to no one's been able to beat the Chiefs yet. And so, because of that reason, I'm going with the Chiefs. You know, New England has a has a great defense, but for the most part, like you said they're they're the number one rushing team in the NFL. And I think that rushing teams have a hard time keeping up with how many points and how quickly the Chiefs can score. And I don't – I guess that's why it'll be really interesting to see how this game plays out. But I don't see New England being able to, to beat the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs to, uh, to cover. Okay. One other quick prop I've got for you guys. The Chiefs to go 16-0. and If you believe that'll happen, you can get that at plus 900. Through three weeks in the season, any intrigue there from either of you of the Chiefs running the table and going 16-0 and during the 2020 regular season? Yeah, I wouldn't take that bet purely because we don't know whether there'll be an outbreak of COVID on the Chiefs. You know, I mean, that could completely change the script for the Chiefs this season. And there's just no way of knowing, like, 
who that's going to happen to, when that's going to happen. The NFL is not in a bubble. We, we, we just talked about this earlier in the show with the, with the Titans and the Steelers game. So, no, I'm not taking that bet. I just think, you know, when you're the defending champs, you're going to get everyone's best shot. Like, they circle that game against you, and you're going to get their best effort. And just from a human element perspective, you can't be perfect week in and week out. They're going to make mistakes. I wouldn't take that bet, but it would be interesting. That that's a good payout for that. It's possible. There's, it's possible, but too early in the season for me. We'll keep an eye on that number as the weeks go along and if the Chiefs continue to I run mean, the table. We'll see. But, again, at plus 900 right now through three weeks, headed into week four, I think you guys bring up a lot of great points, though, as to the challenges of going 16-0 and running the table. We'll go to the Bills at the Raiders. And speaking of prop bets, you guys, Josh Allen's MVP odds, they were plus 2,000 last week. Now they're at plus 1,200. So Josh Allen continues his fantastic start to the season. He leads the NFL with 1,038 passing yards. He's got 84 rushing yards and two touchdowns. But the Bills have played really well so far this season. And again, Josh Allen is a dark horse MVP candidate. I'm all aboard this train with the Bills Mafia. The Bills, a two-point underdog to the Raiders on the road. The Bills, they've played good football. They have a stout defense. They are able to run the ball. I'm picking the Bills for how they've played. I like their style of play, and I like them to win on the road this weekend against the Raiders. Man, I wish the Bills Mafia – we was able to witness this in the stands. We, we would get some funny content. Josh is on fire right now, and he's just a fun guy to root for. Like, I'm root, I, I love the, ener- the energy he brings to that team, and everyone keeps doubting him. I don't know why, but I like the Bills in this game to cover that minus two and keep it going, going to 4-0, baby. I, uh, I like the Bills to cover two. I mean, Josh Allen is airing it out and doing it with his legs. He's just – he's a heck of an athlete, and I really hope that he can continue to uh, to kind of take steps forward in his game because it's just another great young quarterback that's in the league, and the sport's better because of that. Yeah, I mean, could you guys imagine if Russell Wilson gets robbed of another MVP because of Josh Allen? Like, sign me up for that storyline. I think Kyler Murray's in the mix there. I think Mahomes is in the mix, Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't quite count out Lamar Jackson yet either just because there's still so much season. But right now, Wilson, the odds-on favorite. But let's get to the Sunday night matchup. Two matchups left. The Eagles at 49ers. The 49ers a six-point favorite at home. And this is an Eagles team that has really, really struggled They tied the Bengals in week three, but a 49ers team where you guys, it's amazing that we haven't gotten a call from the 49ers front office to fill in just because this is a team that has been decimated by injuries. To me, this is a total stay away, but I'm going to pick the 49ers at home just given their culture, the coaching staff, and what this 49ers team is able to do from an identity standpoint. And The Eagles have looked horrible this season. There's rumors Carson Wentz might not be the starting quarterback come year end. I like the 49ers at home, but to me, this was the one game where if you can stay away from any game, this would be the one for me. 
I think it's going to be really funny if the Eagles come out and win this game. They have no business winning this game. But with all the injuries that San Francisco has, and I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is still questionable. I mean, it'd be really funny, like, the, just see Wentz go out there and light it up, and then everyone be like, well, what to think about the Eagles? Like, who knows? Again, I, I probably wouldn't bet on this game, but if I had to, I'd definitely go with the 49ers minus six. I just think that's more likely to happen than the Eagles, who haven't shown any signs of hope this year. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes for not that great of a Sunday night game, unfortunately. I feel like a lot of people will want to pick against both of these teams because they've been absolutely decimated with injuries, but it kind of puts it on equal playing ground. I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I, I was listening to a, a podcast er, earlier today, and I, and I heard the craziest thing that I think that the Eagles only had one active wide receiver on their roster this week. Obviously, there'll be more guys ready to play for the game, but in practice, they had one active wide receiver. That's absolutely insane. Honestly, like, I think this game kind of comes down to, like, what tight end plays better. Fair enough. Who are you taking, James? I think Kittle will have a big game. You know, he's been out the past couple weeks, but he's not a guy who will shy away from playing hurt. I think he steps up and, uh, and has a big game this week. All right, James going with the 49ers. Final matchup of the weekend, the Falcons at the Packers Monday night football. Packers a six-point favorite at home. You guys, who knew that drafting Jordan Love in the first round of the NFL draft would serve as the fountain of youth for Aaron Rodgers this season? But don't overlook the fact that Aaron Jones, the running back for the Packers, has 303 rushing yards. He's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Could you imagine what Rodgers in this Packers offense would be doing if they actually had receivers that you'd heard of? I'd like the Packers to cover at home and to win against the Falcons. This Falcons team has found one way or another to consistently lose football games. They're able to put up points, but going up against a Green Bay team that looks like it's the real deal this season, I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers. Mark, the uh, over-under is 57 points. What do you think of that? I'll take the over just because Atlanta has shown that they can put up points this season. That's not the issue. The issue is, is they find ways to blow massive leads time and time again. Yeah. Hey, Mark, I think, it's also, I think it's also important in this game to talk about key injuries and who will and will not and might not be playing. I know Adams was questionable with an injury. I know Julio Jones is questionable with an injury. And I know Lazar is also out this week. Do you have any more information on, uh, on Julio and Adams and, and kind of what we saw in practice today from either of those guys. So, James, to answer your question about Devontae Adams, he was back on the practice field this week. Julio Jones was on the practice field a day ago, but on a limited basis. So keep an eye on both of those guys. Still a little bit of question of whether they will return to the field or not. That is a good point, James, about injuries to both teams' star receivers. Yeah, I mean, so really what it comes down to is like, my, I mean – on the pod for right now, based on what information we have, like I'm going to go with the Packers. But if Adams is out and Julio plays, like 
that pick easily flips over to the Falcons. All right, fellas, we're through our week four picks. Final thoughts before signing off here. Yeah, I mean, my favorite, my favorite matchup this week is going to be Browns-Cowboys followed by New England-Kansas City. I think these are both going to be really great games. I think, you know, with KC-New England, you're going to get offense versus defense. And with the Browns and the Cowboys, really what you're going to see is what kind of quarterback is Baker Mayfield how many times are you going to throw the ball? How are they going to utilize them? Because I think that's going to tell you a lot about the future of him in the league and what that Browns organization really thinks of him and how long he's destined to be their starting QB. Yeah, you know, my final thoughts are more on the fantasy football side. You know, week four matchups, it's a big, big, big matchup in, in the league. You know, you only play 13 games most of the time. If you go 0-4, it's going to be really hard to make the playoffs. So we want to hear from you guys. If you guys have any questions some start sit questions some uh some trade that you're trying to feel out or it's just some some fancy advice that you uh want uh, want to hear on a particular player you know where we play i'm the commish of my league so uh would love to uh provide some advice for the week four matchups i love kc versus new england can't wait to see that cowboys browns game but i've got my eye on, and I am buckled up for the Nick Foles era with the Bears against the Colts. Does he have anything left? What does that look like? I cannot wait to watch that one. But, fellas, this has been a lot of fun. I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. For the commissioner, Sam Renshin and James West, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to Stuck in Misery. Please go rate, review, and subscribe. Take care. So long, everyone. And we'll see you next time.